I want to take a few minutes to continue talking with you about why we're here tonight. Um, all of us, we know, and can testify that we're afflicted by sin. All of us are. Sin as a habit of behavior in our lives, and also sin as a condition that we live in in the world. So sin as a behavior causes us to hurt ourselves and to hurt others. And all of us, if we thought about it long enough, even though we don't want to, could think about the ways that our sin has hurt us and hurt others, even recently, perhaps today. Our sin causes us to be self-interested rather than others-interested. Impatient and uncharitable rather than patient and charitable. It causes us to be unforgiving rather than quick to forgive. To be greedy rather than generous and fearful rather than faithful. And then as a condition, sin brings disease, destruction, and decay into the world. We see it all around us. And ultimately, as a condition, sin brings death into our lives. We are not meant to die. We are not meant to die. We were made for eternal life in fellowship with God and one another, serving God, serving one another, and serving this creation. Now, I know that living forever may not sound attractive to everyone right now, the world being what it is. And it is hard to imagine, but I hope that you'll believe me when I say that living forever is very attractive in the world as it should be. You will want to live forever one day. After Adam and Eve's sin, as a consequence of their new sin condition, God said, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But it wasn't meant to be that way. Now, if that were the end of the story, we wouldn't be gathered in worship. We're here because God has changed the course of the story. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians, as we just heard, for our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the sinless one, absorbed sin. All of it. The condition and all the behaviors that correspond with it. He took the weight of all our self-interest and our greed. He took the weight of our diseases and death itself. He absorbed it, absorbed it in Himself and He allowed it to consume Him. But He did all of that because only He could conquer the power of sin. And only in Him can we be restored to the image in which we were made from the beginning. So this Ash Wednesday service and the season of Lent serve as a reminder of our mortality, our frailty, our brokenness, 
and the judgment that we deserve because of sin that naturally corresponds to sin. Sin brings judgment. But Ash Wednesday and Lent are also equally a reminder of the death that Christ has died for us and the life that is available to us in His resurrection. Again, this is not simply bad news. In a few minutes, we're going to provide the opportunity for everyone to come forward and receive ashes. And ashes speak to the judgment that is ours because of sin. Of the dust that we will become at our death. But the ashes are applied to our foreheads as a cross. And that's very intentional. In applying them as a cross, you should be reminded of Jesus' promise to you if you were baptized. We were buried with Christ in His baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So to me, this moment of applying ashes, having it applied to myself, applying it to you, applying it to our children, it is both the most honest sad and hopeful thing that one can do. Because we will die. Death has come because of sin. But, because of the cross, we will live. With Jesus, we will live. So the season of Lent is a call by the power of the Holy Spirit to live more and more into the righteousness that is ours in Christ. To become more free from the behaviors of sin and to live in the pattern of Jesus, our Lord. And until we die or Christ returns, we are all in a battle against sinful habits of thinking and behaving. And I think that sin is the most difficult battle we will ever fight. Whether that's dealing with our own or loving others in theirs. I'm going to go ahead and say that you're going to have to deal with both of those. Your own sins and the challenge of loving each other in our sins. That is the most difficult battle we will fight. And Lent is a time to intensify the battle, to meet it, to stand toe-to-toe with it, and to go at it. How do we do battle with sin? Well, in 2 Corinthians, Paul is recounting his struggles and his sufferings and all that it cost him to follow Jesus and to resist sin and to resist evil. And he writes about weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, Now, a soldier would typically hold a sword in one hand and a shield in the other, right? But Paul knows those are not the kinds of weapons that he needs to fight the battle he's fighting. So what are the weapons of righteousness? What are those weapons that we are called to fight with? Jesus names three weapons of righteousness in our passage from the Gospel of Matthew. They are almsgiving, sacrificial generosity, prayer, and fasting. 
Jesus says that in doing these things, we are practicing righteousness, meaning it is practicing the character of God to give generously, to pray, and to fast. To do these things is to fight, to do battle against sin. How do we do these things? One of the things I want to emphasize to you, especially if you're part of Church of the Lamb, is the importance of doing these things together. Look, Jesus comes down on people for being showy about their spirituality, for sort of making the world their own stage when it comes to how good they are at spiritual things. But it does not mean that all spirituality is therefore individual. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is correcting abuses, but he's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Our passage in Joel makes clear that God wants His people to pursue Him together in sacrificial ways and to pursue Him with a unified heart. Listen to what Joel says that Leah read for us. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Nothing is more important than the people together pursuing God in repentance and in sacrifice. Together. Together, we are being called to fast, pray, and give sacrificially to those in need. So with each of these, in fasting, I want to encourage us together to set aside Friday, the day of Jesus' crucifixion, a traditional fasting day for God's people, to fast. And fasting has a broad range of definitions here. It can be abstaining from food entirely or simply paring down what you consume. And with young children, it can be very powerful to mark this season in some intentional way, like less TV and no sweets at all. We kept the kids from watching a show for one Lent, and when it was Easter, they said, it's Easter! (laughs) Some things can work, right? Remember that Sundays are always feast days, too. You're not always fasting. Prayer. I encourage you to use a way of praying intensely during this season. Use the Lenten prayer guide we've provided in the Scriptures to focus your attention on God. And I want to ask you to make Church of the Lamb a focus in your prayer life this Lent for spiritual health and maturity and God's abundant provision provision for our church in the future. So the vestry and the staff are using Wednesday lunch each week to pray together and fast. And I want to encourage you to do something like this as well, to join with us. Who knows what God can do? I love what Joel says. Who knows what God could do if we do this? Who knows? Have that kind of open-heartedness in your life toward God. Who knows what God can do if you pursue Him in this way? Do you trust Him that He wants to do something for you, for our church? Third and last, almsgiving. Almsgiving is a kind of fast from greed and excess in our lives. I encourage you 
give to a local organization, our, our rector's discretionary fund that we use to help our neighbors and each other in the community. Um, we will take up an offering on Good Friday. These are ways. There are ways that you can help. You can give in money or you can give in time. It doesn't look the same for everyone. And with all of these, these weapons of righteousness, they're not intended for us to try to earn our salvation or some extra points with God. Jesus, again, is our righteousness. Only in Him are our sins forgiven. But God's grace is never entirely opposed to your effort. He does call you to work with Him. We're not simply to say, God forgives, that's His business, and now we can move on. We're to practice righteousness, to continually align ourselves with God and grow deeper in relationship and likeness to Him. And at the end of the day, here's what I want you to remember. Where does Lent lead? Lent leads to joy and celebration because it leads us to the cross where the Father shows His great love to us through the death of His Son. And on the other side of that, the Lenten observance with our practices of deprivation and its reminder of death, it is leading to a feast and a celebration of life at the great feast of Easter. Jesus has conquered your sin, and He has conquered death, and He will make you new and all the creation new. Are you preparing for that newness by seeking Him and His righteousness in your life? That is the work of Lent that God's grace meets us and continues to make us new in the Lord Jesus. Amen.